0: Welcome at you from the One Stone Recording and Mastering Studio in New Brunswick, New Jersey. This is the Weigh In with your host, Matt Ward. Welcome to the Weigh In. My name is Matt Ward and I am a boxing writer and historian from the greater Philadelphia area. Every two weeks I will introduce you to people from the world of boxing, both past and present. This episode of The Weigh-In features my interview with boxing promoter Joe DiGuardia of Star Boxing. Star Boxing has been in operation since 1992, and their fighters include popular boxers such as Chris Algieri, Demetrius Andrade, and Joe Smith Jr. Without further delay, here is The Weigh-In with Joe DiGuardia. Please introduce yourself to my listeners.
1: Hello, yep, I'm Joe DiGuardia. I uh, am the president of Star Boxing. You've
0: been around the sport of boxing your entire life. Your father was a professional fighter in the 40s and 50s and founded the Morris Park Boxing Club as well as Better America Through Our Youth. Can you please tell us what Better America Through Our Youth was?
1: Sure, so it was an organization, basically, uh, where my father always felt that boxing was good for the youth. And it was a way to... Basically, give back to the community and have um, you know kids come in and work out for free and train and exercise and learn the value and disciplines that are associated with the sport. Um, and it really, it's a it's a great uh, it's a great sport for the youth. You know, you right. you learn a lot of things about life. Mm-hmm. And you know, it should be. I I believe we should have more of it out there. And you know, we should have it in the schools and things like that. You know, you look at football right now. And people talk about the dangers of football and everything, um, and that was one of the reasons I guess why boxing was filtered out of the schools. Mm-hmm. But the things that you learn in boxing are just uh, you can't put a price on it. It keeps kids out of trouble. Gives, learns has them have them learn discipline, dedication, determination, hard work, all those types of things that are vital for survival in life, not just you know the sport of boxing. Um, so my father was really really. Um, You know, interested in you know furthering that cause.
0: When did you start boxing?
1: I started boxing. The earliest pictures I have of me (laughs) boxing was when I was two years old with gloves on. You know, I think I came out with gloves on. Um, My first fights were in um, the basements when I was five years old. Wow! And then we used to go to these tournaments, little smoker tournaments, um, all over the place. Uh, But basically. You know, you line up against the wall, and they point you out and say, okay, you're fighting him, put the gloves on. <laughs> and you go into these rings, and they, you call them smokers because everybody was smoking cigars and cigarettes. And oh, yeah. There's smoke all over the place. It was very dark. <laughs> and uh, so I started that at you know, five, six years old, maybe. Um, when I was nine is when I went into official competitions. Oh, okay. Uh, that actually counted on your record and things like that. Right. and uh, And went on from there. But I was in the gym every day of my life from when I was six years old. Cool.
0: You captured a number of titles and championships as an amateur fighter. Please tell us what it was like to capture the 1988 New York Golden Gloves Championship.
1: Ah, it was great. You know, um, you grow up, and you know, then the New York Golden Gloves was huge. You know, it's still big now, but I mean, it was it was the pinnacle of the sport, mm-hmm. um, especially in the neighborhoods and in the area. So uh, I remember being a kid and going to the Golden Gloves, and you know, couldn't wait, you know, until I was going to be old enough to fight in right. the gloves. So it was great to win it, you know. It's, it's uh, it was good, and uh, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, 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 uh, in the championship, I beat Larry Bonds, and ultimately ended up promoting Larry Bonds. You know, <laughs> in, in in different fights. Everything so, kind of goes full circle. Yeah, it's, it's a real interesting. Uh, it's an interesting thing, but uh, but it was special. It was a special time, you know, and you go. All different areas and neighborhoods to get to the championship, um, you know, and uh, it's it's um, it's rewarding.
0: And you captured this championship while finishing up law school, right?
1: Yeah, I was in law school. Um, I remember, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was special. It was different, you know. And um, you know, I had boxed a little bit for the U.S. team and traveling, and I did that while I was in law school as well. And um, you know, sometimes. I'd be traveling, come back and get done, and come off the plane. And that morning, I had to take an exam. <laughs> law school. So it was a it was a lot, but um, but really, again, like I was mentioning about the youth, you know, it prepares you for life. Right. Because life is like that too. It's very busy and hectic, and you have to manage multitask many, many different things. And uh, boxing gave me the discipline to be able to do that. Oh
0: what made you decide not to pursue a career as a professional fighter
1: you know it was uh i guess my father Mm -hmm. you know he he didn't want me to fight as much as he was a fighter and as much as um you know he loved the sport he felt that i was in law school i finished law school and, and you know why box um so I really honored that. He he accepted it for the amateurs, he accepted it for the tournaments and the Golden Gloves and all that kind of stuff like that, but he really didn't want me to fight uh, for a living. Uh, particularly, he felt if you had something else, um, you should pursue something else, you know, like a degree and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that's really why I ended up not turning uh, pro and making a career out of it. My father used to hide the office from me. You know, Angela Dundee would call them yeah. all the time, and, and Victor Valley Sr., and, you know, and all the managers, and then trainers, and pr- promoters, and, you know, they were throwing big money offers, and he used to hide it from me, you know. He didn't want me to do it. Uh, he tried to keep it from me. So, in my heart, I wanted to fight. Right. And every night, for five years later, you know, I'd be looking up in the ceiling in the middle of the night, looking to get back in there. Yeah. But in my head, it was probably the right thing to do.
0: When did you become a boxing promoter? Uh,
1: 1991 or two, right around there. Yeah. 25 years ago, 1992. Wow. So, yeah. Who's the first
0: fighter that you signed to start boxing?
1: Well, you know, it was interesting. We we actually I started promoting only because I was managing fighters, mm-hmm. and I had a lefty who was a good fighter. But he was a southpaw, and it was very difficult getting him fights. That was Lou DeVal. So I, um, I had to promote to put, put him in cards. So really, I was promoting these six-round fights and just trying to get Lou fights. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first show I did was really for Lou. And I got a big introduction into the sport because things happened, and he couldn't even fight that night. Um, and Larry Barnes was actually on that card though uh, in Mount Vernon this was ah, and Larry's okay. the, fir- the guy I beat for the Golden Gloves Championship and he was the uh, main event on that card Lou <laughs> was going to be a 6 rounder uh, but really that's uh, that was my introduction into the sport I remember uh, my first pro show that I did uh having a headache at the end of the night <laughs> lost imagine. money <laughs> we did everything from putting up chairs to selling hot dogs and making sure we had the right number of you know hot dog buns to go to. <laughs> i mean every every little aspect of the of, of promoting uh that we had to do and uh but really the first fighter that i was really doing it for and promoting was lou Devalde, even though technically we never really signed him as a promoter uh, but that's what we were doing to try to move him
0: oh okay you have a number of talented and popular fighters signed to Star Boxing, including Chris Algieri, Demetrius Andrade, and Joe Smith Jr. We talked about Demetrius Andrade earlier this morning in a segment of the bonus round. Um, going into Joe Smith, going into excuse me, Chris Algieri. In two thousand and fourteen, you traveled to Macau, China, with Algieri, who faced Manny Pacquiao for the WBO welterweight title. What was the buildup like in China for this fight?
1: Oh it was it was it was great. It was huge. Um, you know, packed uh, different press conferences. We had shuttle flights and jet flights to go to different uh, cities within China. Um, it was fascinating. It was a fascinating experience, um, a great experience. Uh, China was, uh, you know, just starting to burst onto the scenes in terms of um, in terms of uh, getting involved in the boxing, the sport of boxing, mm-hmm. and uh, it was special. You know, it was a special, special uh, event. And it was a real major event over there. Cool. Recently,
0: your fighter, Joe Smith Jr., defeated future Hall of Famer Bernard Hopkins in his final professional bout. Do you have an opponent lined up for Joe?
1: No, well, look, I have opponents that I'd love to be fighting, and we're going to to see what the windup ends up being. We we had been um, talking to, you know, a few different fighters, uh, you know, fight camps for the fight. Obviously, the fight that we'd like to see is the world championship, Adonis Stevenson. Right. Um, that's out there, and, you know, we, uh, we thought we'd be able to make that fight easily and quickly. Uh, but unfortunately, I don't think Adonis really wants to fight Joe as much as he says he does want to fight him. Uh, because if he did, we'd have a deal done already. Um, so, you know, it just might be a product of Joe being too good of a puncher. and Maybe Adonis is worried about that that's my only thing I can look at because there's yeah. no other reason why that fight shouldn't have been made.
0: Right, right. So, Can you tell my listeners a little bit more about Joe Smith Jr.'s professional life on the side from boxing?
1: Oh, well, as you know, he's a, he's a worker. Mm-hmm. A real worker. And that is, he's a construction worker. He does, he's a union guy, Local 66. He's, um, you know, it's, uh, it's the International Brotherhood of Laborers Union. And, he is uh he likes to get out there and work. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's he's digging those trenches in the uh in the ground and you know, hitting that jackhammer sledgehammer banging down. Um, you know, I guess it's what gave him that 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 big knockout power.
0: Right, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he's a real worker. A real worker and uh you know, they love him. The union loves him. Uh, all the workers love him because he's down to earth. He's like them you know they can identify with that and you know people across the country can identify with him you know um, right if you saw it during a fight the whole thing with the common man and things like that and you know the truth is he he relishes that he he embraces it he he doesn't shy away from it and he knows that yeah he is like everybody else you know it's just that the one thing he does is he gets in that ring and you know tries to compete and you know make a better life for himself right um but uh but it's a good thing it's you know i i i like him i think joe's a, a humble down third guy and um you know it's good to see that he's keeping level-headed and keeping his job and you know he's actually still working um mm-hmm. you know until he has a fight booked uh then he'll go with the training camp for those, you know six to eight weeks um but uh but you know that's that's him Yeah, that's it, you know. And I got all these workers, you know, they 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 love it. I get construction (laughs) guys and this and that. Oh yeah, that's the way. (laughs) It's it's a good thing. That's awesome. It's a good thing.
0: Nassau Coliseum is reopening for boxing in the spring. Do you have any plans to promote shows at the Coliseum? Yeah, I
1: mean, we look at the Coliseum, and I mean, we're we're very heavily, uh, you know, invested in Long Island. Mm -hmm. You know, we develop. You know, we have more guys in Long Island than anybody. Uh, We have a great feeder system at the Paramount. So, uh, naturally, Nassau Coliseum would be a great place to ultimately bring them. We talked about Joe Smith's next fight. Adonis Stevenson was looking to go into the Nassau Coliseum April 29th, and um, that's the fight we were looking towards making. Oh, okay. Um, so, I thought we would have had that fight locked in already. We don't. Um, and uh, I don't know what the wind-up will end up being, but all I can say is, Adonis Stevenson, if you're listening, Adonis Stevenson, if you're listening... We're ready. Joe Smith wants this fight, and uh, we're ready to make it. So if he really wants to fight, that being Adonis Stevenson, then he should uh, get on board.
0: Sounds great. Who are some of the other star boxing fighters that we should keep an eye out for in 2017?
1: Well, you know, we got a a whole host of good-looking, good good fighters. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you mentioned Chris Algieri. He'll be back this year. Uh, You mentioned Demetrius Andrade. You know he's going to be fighting for the title March 11th. Um, the following week I have Zach Dunn an undefeated Australian fighter that we have we Crocodile Dunn I like to call him <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Zach Dunn he's undefeated, he's top 5 in all the ratings, sanctioning bodies and stuff uh, an exciting fighter and a uh, great record and I'm looking forward to big things for him we're actually looking at a title fight for him now um, so he's another good one uh, Yunieski Gonzalez uh, we're about to announce a big fight for him Um, If you remember, he's the one that fought Jean Pascal in that war. And uh, we're looking for a nice uh, fight. I'm hoping to be able to announce uh, pretty shortly for him on um, one of the major networks. Um, Joshua Clotty, we still have. uh, You know, he's coming off a disappointing loss to Rosado where he went up in weight. Oh, right. Um, So we're trying to decide when he's going to go next. we have Constantine Benjamin Arahu. Uh, he just had two big wins, uh, upset wins against two undefeated fighters oh, yeah, on yeah. Showbox. And Constantine is uh, a cruiserweight who is also undefeated. Uh, but his um, his wins were against two undefeated fighters that were supposed to beat him. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. Uh, I got a nice surprise this weekend. Courtney Pennington had a nice big win. So he has two back to back travel wins. Oh, yeah. Um. Who else do we have? We have, uh, we just signed in with uh, a couple of fighters, uh, Filipinos, um, Michael Farinas and um, Mark, um, I, I call him Mark Pags, but he's a 9-0 uh, kid coming from Canada, a Filipino kid, uh, good fighter. Uh, Emmanuel well, Taylor we have, we have uh, Delvin Rodriguez. You know, we've got a whole host of guys that we're looking forward to, uh, you know, for the future and, uh, and that have been there. You know, uh, that we think still have another shot and making it again. Um, and I mentioned earlier, I think uh, Danny Gonzalez, who's an undefeated uh, boy from Queens. Good story. Mm-hmm. You know, he was picked uh, on as a kid, uh, 10, 12 years old, 260 pounds. They teased him because of his weight. He went to the gym to lose weight. Oh. And uh, now he's a, a lightweight fighter, uh, actually junior welterweight, 140 pounds, uh, undefeated. And uh, we got good plans for him. He's actually just got back last night from training camp uh, down in St. Petersburg with uh, Keith Beth Thurman for Thurman's fight against Garcia.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. So
1: Danny's a good little fighter, and we got uh, high hopes for him, a Golden Glove champion, things like that.
0: That's great. Exciting things on the horizon.
1: Exciting things, yeah. We just (laughs) keep working it. (laughs)
0: Are there any matchmakers or other promoters that you tend to work with on a regular or semi-regular basis?
1: Well, we have a full-time matchmaker for star boxing. That's Ron Katz. Oh, yeah. He's a, you know, a, a Hall of Fame um, matchmaker. He worked for 15 years for a Top Rank Before Me. Mm-hmm. Then he worked for Sugar Ray Leonard's company for a few years. And then he's been with us for the past maybe 10 years. Um and that's uh, that's our matchmaker Um, and uh, as far as promoters and other matches I mean we pretty much work with everybody in the business Um, I don't think there's there's not anybody that I can't work with Um, you know and really where the opportunities exist for our fighters we're going to put them into those opportunities and you know if that means working on one side of the fence or the other side of the fence we're okay with that cool
0: what are your thoughts on the recent New York insurance bill that dramatically increased insurance premiums that promoters must pay in order to run a show?
1: I think it's a disgrace. I think it's a shame that, you know, uh, that we have laws that get passed that nobody really looks at the impact it's going to have on people. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to go out there and say, let's just go put more insurance down. But when there's no studies done to determine whether or not that's a feasible number, whether or not it's a number that's needed, whether or not it's going to impact anybody, um, versus what kind of impact it's going to have on the fighters themselves and how they support their families and the people in the industry, the trainers, the managers, the promoters, everybody, um, and the impact it's going to have on the industry itself. Uh, and then you have people outside the industry, you have uh, fans. And you also have businesses that rely upon businesses coming into their area. You know, right. restaurants and, and, and taxi cab drivers and everything else. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame that, that, we're, um, you know, that we're in a situation now where the legislature saw fit to pass a law that makes no sense mm-hmm. and that the Boxing Commission hasn't risen up to help to say, we're going to um, adjust that, Right. Which, which we believe they have the ability to do under the law. Mm-hmm. So um, all in all, I think it's a shame. I think it's scary that laws can be passed without people really, without the legislature really knowing what the impact of those laws are going to be. Right, right. And I think that the executive branch, um, the governor's office, uh, which is who's... Um, puts in the state athletic commission Mm -hmm. um, should really be taking an affirmative effort to help and to change the situation and to do what they need to do to ensure that that this sport can thrive Um, you know when you look at the history of boxing it's a storied history it's a history that is embedded in New York Mm -hmm. embedded with Madison Square Garden and, and the great venues and when people think of boxing they often think about the historic fights that have taken place here in New York And it's a shame that the underpinning of that and the the real grassroots of all of that is going to be destroyed by this new law. Mm -hmm. And and I think it needs to change, and I think that we all need to get together to rally against it. Um, And I'm going to be, you know, very, very upfront in that effort because I think that it does need to be changed.
0: Do you see the law being repealed or modified at any point in the near future?
1: My expectation is that it would be, mm-hmm. yes. Um, I mean, we're going to take the efforts to try to do that. Um, but, you know, it can't happen without people jumping on board and advising their legislature as well as the governor that they want to see boxing. Right. And, you know, you've got to overturn or change or amend this new insurance regulation that requires $1 million dollars. Coverage for each boxer on the card, you know, it's the it, it's almost like the goal is where they you know, theoretically want to say, well, we want to protect the fighter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you're not protecting the fighter. What you're doing is you're making the fighter not be able to earn a living, right? Not be able to fight, or chase him to make him go to another state where perhaps there's no regulations, no medicals, or less medicals than New York State has.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you know, while New York is a highly regulated state when it comes to medicals, New York has probably more medicals than any other state that there might be. Those are not issues. We're not complaining about that. Okay? But when you have uh, an institute of law that has no actual um, verified protection purpose, or maybe the purpose they might think it is, but we think there's a lot of other reasons why this law was passed. Uh, In any event, um, it's a law that doesn't help the sport, and it's a law that doesn't help the boxers, and, in fact, hurts the boxers and chases them out of the state.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to say to my listeners?
1: Well, listen, I'd like to say uh, you're doing a good job, Matt, and all boxing fans, you know, keep listening in, and uh, on this New York State issue, write in. <laughs> say something. Um, you know, help us out on this issue, because it's an important issue, and we do need the fan support on it, um, all of us in the industry, boxers, promoters, managers, um, everybody associated with the sport. Um, and it's an important thing. And ultimately, perhaps it's one of the things that when we show that we can make a change in the law, we can start to drive other things in the sport, uh, which many of us do want to see, mm-hmm. and it's to make the sport better.
0: Right. Very well said, Joe. Okay. Thank you very much for staying down with well, me this my morning. Pleasure. You can learn more about Joe DiGuardia via a series of links to websites such as the Star Boxing website in the notes section of this episode. The next episode of The Weigh-In will air on May 10th and will feature my interview with former professional boxer and trainer Jimmy DiOria. Jimmy captured the USA-Pennsylvania state lightweight title on February 13th, 1993, with a TKO victory over Gene Reed in Scranton, Pennsylvania. He retired from boxing in 1996 with a record of 20 wins, 7 losses, and 0 draws. In 1999, he founded the Phoenixville Area Police Athletic League boxing program. Jimmy currently manages and trains fighters from Pennsylvania. You can listen to the Way In podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. If you listen to the show on iTunes, please leave us a rating. This will help other listeners find the show. If you would like to contact the weigh-in staff, you can reach us through social media and email. Our contact information is posted in the notes section of the episode. We love to hear from our listeners. That does it for the seventh episode of The Weigh In. The Way in is brought to you by One Stone Recording and Mastering in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Check out One Stone Recording and Mastering for all of your mixing and mastering needs. Go to onestonerecording.com slash way in and receive 10% off your first session. Special thanks to Joe DeGuardia and you, the listeners, for being a part of our seventh episode. You can now be like our friend, J.P. favera and support the weigh-in on patreon you can support us for as little as one dollar a month your pledge will go directly towards travel expenses and studio fees thank you again jp for being a part of our team i hope the weather in florida is great until next time i'm matt ward and this is the weigh-in